Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton. On today, I have a guest who has a company with two little kids I'm really excited about to, and to learn more about. So uh, Brooke Jackson is the Managing Director for Bolt Marketing Group. Uh, runs a company called Rising Wild. Brooke, welcome. Thanks for so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, you, you bet. And I think a good place to start is always tell us a little bit about, you know, the company and mainly some of the things, offerings you had and what you were doing pre-COVID. And then we'll get into, you know, how that's transformed where we are now with some of the new things you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, a lot has changed with my business. Um, we are what we're doing right now is because of COVID, um, but really proud of what we've been able to accomplish. So um, the the background. Um, um, so I was I was raised in the Puget Sound. I went to the University of Hawaii. I played golf um, for them. Oh, cool. And, I've always been an athlete. Um, so started there, um, got a degree in psychology and business, entered mar- at the marketing world in Portland, um, doing experiential marketing. Mm. Um, so 2008, 2009 hit, um, uh, the agency I was with dissolved. And so I kind of had the opportunity to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do. So I founded Bolt Marketing Group in 2009. So I was a, at that point a product of the recession, but you know the luxury of Portland is these great companies that are in Portland. So we landed a great first client, Nike, right out the chute, did a great, great program for Nike football, which really springboarded everything. So Bolt does event and experiential marketing. We build brand experiences, um, activate sponsorships, um, very much so in the um, in-person live event world. Um, the industry has evolved considerably. We started with you know, specializing in modular kind of experiences that went across the country and certainly event and experiential marketing has evolved, but that was our space. Um, 2013, I had my first child. We were just clicking along in the agency world, servicing some great clients like Gore-Tex and Subaru and Foot Locker, East Bay, Nike, Cambia, you know, a lot of great local companies like Northwest Natural. So, um, but we always knew that, and I knew personally that, um, you know, servicing clients wasn't, it's a, it's, it's a passion, it's fun, but we, I really was interested in developing a service or product we could deliver straight to uh, consumers. So uh, we've been brainstorming, um, you know, how can we come up with a service or a product or an event property? Um, and so lots of ideas, but in 2016, we acquired um, an existing event property called Kids Obstacle Challenge. Okay. And so 
um, kids obstacle challenges and obstacle and adventure race for families. And it was, you know, very small and we grew it to what is truly the largest obstacle and adventure race for families across the country. Um, We had over 150,000 attendees over the course of the year. Um, So an incredible, um, incredible time of growing what was this very small mom and pop adventure series into, you know, uh, one with, thousands and thousands of people each day, but with great partners. So we have amazing sponsors that we activated at these um, events. And so really, um, was we're, we were clicking along, really. Um, 18 was a great year, 19 even better. And then, of course, 2020 was supposed to be year five, the big one, when, um, you know, the lights turned off for us in the event world with COVID-19. So now let's, let's stop right there, because as someone who, you know, my background is in events, smaller conferences, yeah. And I, I, I always want like to, for people who are outside the world, when your whole business relies on people getting in person, and especially something mm-hmm. like this, you were doing the obstacle course where you said 100,000 people. Um, what was that like? I mean, it yeah. literally is like shutting yeah. down. Yeah. For, um, yeah. And I, you know, you know, then if you're in events that you are prepared for whatever, you know, nothing, you're always prepared for something to go wrong. I mean, that's what events are all about. And that's what the excitement and the buzz and why people and why we're in this, you know, and, um, but we, so when, when COVID happened, you know, it was like, oh, okay, this is just another obstacle, another fire we have to put out. Um, and we took a pretty calm approach to understanding it, but, um, you're right. The, the, the lights went out, the revenue stopped suddenly one day. Um, so that was, um, obviously a a huge business problem. Um, but, um, we, we waited as long as we could, you know, we just, nobody has the crystal ball and we certainly didn't back in February and March. And so we actually didn't, um, fully throw in the towel until May, 2020. Um, meanwhile, of course, our team was frantically, working on what is our pivot, we have to pivot, Um, we cannot hold events. And it was becoming very clear. And all of our brand clients on the Bolt Marketing Group side, of course, were having the same experience. So, um, so it was a a very complicated time. I think we handled it very well. I'm so proud of how we managed it, because it was, um, we had so many relationships, existing customers expecting these live events, sponsors Mm. expecting these live events. So um, Rising Wild is, was our pivot. And um, in a matter of months, we essentially developed a brand new business (laughs) and are are growing that right now and having a blast in the process, but it's been a wild nine to 12 months. Yeah, and we'll get into Rising Wild, but you know, I kind of laughed too with you because you, you know, you, you, you internalized it. And it's like, you, it's a whole new business. It's not, it, it's not just, it, it is a pivot, but at the same time, this is building from scratch in a matter of months with complete uncertainty. Um, we'll get into the business model for this. Cause I think it's, it's some huge learnings from it and the way things are going forward. So getting mm-hmm. back to the event part mm-hmm. for live experiences and no one has a crystal ball. Where are you at now with those things? What, what do you think? Um, and, you know, the one you run your own, the obstacle course with brand clients too. Uh, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, what luckily we, we have the luxury of um, not only our own ability to, you know, put on these events and, um, but also we work with big brands that 
rely on field marketing and experiential marketing. And so we get kind of have that insider scoop is what they're, what they're thinking. And they're working with their own experts to understand what does the future hold? Um, You know, bottom line, I think field marketing, experiential marketing will forever be changed. I mean, certainly we're going to get back to it. We, as people long and want to be together in mass kind of gathering situations, but um, you know, if we look ahead, we had always thought 2021, we'll be back at it. Um, We're just now with the vaccinations rolling out, really starting to evaluate it. And because our events were, you know, we had up to 10, 15, 20,000 people in a given day. I mean, that kind of production requires so many months of planning. So we're already at that very key time where we're having to make decisions. Can we pull off an event? Certainly it wouldn't be till Q3 or Q4, but there's, um, you know, event properties speaking as an event property owner, you know, we rely on sponsorship dollars, obviously customers buying tickets, but there's a lot of uncertainty with what brands are going to be doing. And um, if they're going to want to be taking that risk that mm-hmm. there's just inherently going to be to gather people in Q3 and Q4, not knowing truly the efficacy of this vaccination and yeah. the rollout of it. So we're looking, we're, we're hopeful that Q3, Q4 is something that we can do, but with in our, for our particular obstacle course race, it was, you know, it's kid oriented. So summer was a key season for us. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, we're going to be beyond that, but um, either way, whatever we go back to, whether it's or when it's with obstacles or adventure racing or whatever it is, um, it's going to look different. Um, so much virtual um, experiences are happening and that's what Rising Wild is all about. And yeah. um, it's just going to be really interesting to see what these types of events, kind of the shape that they take when they do come back. Yeah, I think we're going to look back on this, uh, you know, probably five, 10 years and just be like, how the heck did we get through this? <laughs> as far as like, you know, someone in your industry and some of the yeah. stuff I, I do on a much sc- yeah. smaller scale and it's, and we're all, you know, rolling with it and making decisions. But sometimes I stop and just like, this is insane, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I think it's important and, you know, um, luckily with the new relief package yeah. that just came through, there is, you know, they're, they're considering venues and events, right. um, shuttered venue grant, and we're eagerly awaiting the application process for that because events, you know, we, we can't sell takeout food or, you know, our, we can't sell takeout, yeah. uh, you know, there's things that we just simply can't do. And, you know, we're, we're looking at, unfortunately, um, 18 to 24 months of not being able to ultimately mm. sell our product and for companies to be able to withstand that it's mm. i mean it's kind of impossible you have to find the evolution or the pivot um yeah so hopefully there's more support that comes down the pipeline for event mm. event goers and planners yeah thanks for sharing that i mean it's it's uh you know for again for people who are not in the industry that there's a lot of pain out there um for some, you know, folks on that side. And so, you know, that being said, there's opportunity. And so this is where uh, the rising wild comes in. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so rising wild, a rapid response to COVID-19, but also something that was in the making. So we knew we had a growing community with kids obstacle challenge and we knew we were so seasonal um, uh, that we wanted something that was more recurring and something that we could serve to our community uh, beyond the season. And, you know, through um, ideally some sort of recurring revenue kind of 
um, model. So Rising Wild was not in the works, but we had been thinking about things, but certainly COVID pushed us to develop this. Um, so Rising, Rising Wild, it's an adventure and fitness program and virtual community for kids and families. Um, it combines a mobile app and a subscription box. Mm. Uh, we were very passionate about while being forced to create virtual experiences that we still brought the physical because that's our world and what we believe in. We're also just sort of an organization that believes in, you know, you know, as screen-free kind of experiences as we can for children. Mm -hmm. So um, our mission is really to get kids outside and moving their bodies more, um, really using their imaginations. Um, so a lot of our programming involves free play and sort of an unstructured kind of fitness. Um, and we do this through um, adventure and fitness programming that's guided by our super cool Rising Wild heroes. These are outdoor themed characters, Dawn, Sage, Sunshine, and Grit. And um, it's through them that they um, sort of serve up the content and in, um, in the sense of movement directives for the kids and families. Um, and it's through whom uh, we tell stories of adventure and the outdoors. Um, so we're really just trying to create a product that um, obviously attracts children um, and families alike, but also that can kind of be naturally incorporated and help foster an early appreciation of movement um, for, for families. It's a cool. I mean, I was just on the site and I love how it's structured and tell me about how it's been received because the nice thing, I guess, when you're doing this, you, you built, you've built the community with these events yeah. you've been doing. And so, um, I assume, you know, the messaging to them was with this, how, how's it been going? Yeah. Um, it's been great. It's like I said, it's been wild, um, shifting from, you know, from agency to event property owner yeah. was one thing. And then going, <clears throat> excuse me, from event property to app um, and subscription business model owner yeah. has been um, a very exciting and um, big learning, but um, it's been going very well. Um, we launched, um, we, we were under development. It's not till June. We launched in September of 2020. Um, so we've just been around for a couple months now, but okay. we have well over a thousand subscribers, um, wow. which is very exciting yeah. for um, the, the, how quickly we've moved. Yeah. Um, and I think the feedback has been, you know, exactly what we want. Certainly there's a lot of refinement, you know, that we can do and better understanding of the market. But um, the feedback has been great um, as far as certainly right now in our in this pandemic environment and landscape for parents, just giving them another thing for their arsenal to keep their kids moving. Yeah. Um, but really what the, the things that are that really make me um, so happy is that, you know, so many families are saying, wow, you know, I couldn't get my kiddo to to move or exercise. And now they keep begging to do more challenges. Um, so really appreciating the format um, and the simplicity of um, our app and how it works. Um, that's been great. Very that's, happy. That's so awesome. I mean, as someone with young kids, it's been a complete challenge for me, <laughs> you know, so um, things like this, I'm really excited to, to try out uh, for my family. Um, I would love to dig into you know some of the business learnings because again, you know, going from an event model where it's this is a one-time thing, like you're, you're kind of, and you know, with being in events, it's it's building the ship over again every year in a way. I mean, you have processes and you and there's things, but there's a lot of it is you're kind of starting over each year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, realizing that, hey, let's subscription, recurring revenue. Oh my goodness, this is uh, a great opportunity. How, I mean, 
obviously you're just starting. What are some of the learnings shifting your, your model for that? Yeah. Um, well, as a, we, we have the luxury of being, you know, with marketing as our base and understanding mm-hmm. very um, well brand and uh, marketing and that's been helpful. Although certainly that in itself has been number one learning really is, um, you know, we became masters at, you know, um, driving down customer acquisition with our event property and just, you know, really shoestringing it to get these thousands of people to our event. We were often, people were like, how did you do that with such, you know, marketing dollars and, um, you know, digital is um, a thing that we've become very sophisticated at, but um, that's been the number one learning is understanding how customers, especially in this environment, there's so many uncertainties and lots of folks have unfortunately lost their, um, their jobs, but just how to um, get, um, people to acquire a subscription is very different than a one-off. So understanding that this is a considered purchase for them um, and it's recurring for them. So there's the, the process to get them to see and then to buy is different than, oh, let's do this event. It's we're running out of time. You know, that's right. a whole different marketing strategy. Um, so um, that's been a learning, you know, there's always room f- to improve um, that and we're working on it each day and just driving down our customer acquisition costs. Um, so that's been a big learning. Um, and then just, um, you know, building, a, you know, we are a content engine now. Um, so we're not only having to learn to be a, you know, a, essentially a small tech business with the app and the store, but um, just a simple, you know, an e-commerce business, but also um, a, a content team, you know, we're having to build and drive content that's um, programming for the app. Um, So that's been another big learning and just the the infrastructure and the things and the team that we need. Um, You know, we've, Hmm. you know, in the business and, you know, we've hired so many great people over the years, but, you know, it's a complete um, change up as far as who our internal team is and what our needs are. And then just finding the resources that we need for this particular business model um, with it being a subscription box and that physical kind of component with having a product um, to driving content to actually like facilitating it through the app has been um, yeah. and a very interesting learning for me as a, as a business owner. That was just a lot you went over like the, how much <laughs> to sh- And I mean, it's in a good way because yeah. How much you're managing? It's just it's it's really admirable. Yeah. It's 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 a lot, and it shows mm-hmm. a lot about you know your leadership. I mean, what do you think? I mean, just for me, I can speak from anecdotally for me personally during all this is, you know, your your consideration or my my family's buying consideration of something that's subscription and ongoing. Mm-hmm. We've just been all about. I mean, this it's kind of this pandemic's kind of knocked down the walls for. Mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that. Um, so mm-hmm. in a way, I would think maybe this time has helped consumer maybe psychology around mm-hmm. some of these subscription type services. Have you, are you seeing that or? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, so we know, and that was one reason, especially um, that we, I mean, we certainly could have developed Rising Wild as um, something other than a subscription model. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew that subscriptions have just been on the rise. And certainly with COVID, it's just, they've been, t- they've taken off. It's absurd, the numbers mm-hmm. um, and the growth of that industry. Um, but what we're hopeful for is, you know, and what, why, what I'm passionate about is, um, you know, trying to get kids to move more and s- kids have become so sedentary um, and now more so than ever, um, and what we hope is that while we're kind of unfortunately forced into the sedentary kind of lifestyle right now that, um, you know, more products and more just education and materials and articles are going to start coming out about the 
the the concern and what is this epidemic of child childhood obesity and just yeah. the sedentary lifestyle. And so, you know, our product is really to serve um, families um, and just to be that really quality product that's not only um, a product to keep kids moving and to use their imaginations and explore, but also um, a healthy community, a healthy online community. And what I think of as like healthy screen time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I very much so have raised my children. We're a very anti-screen kind of family. And um, that kind of paired with um, sort of um, allowing kids to kind of move freely and independently. And that's how we've created Rising Wild is it's like a healthy family option. We we want and encourage families to do this together. Um, But hopefully through this pandemic, there's a, there's been time for parents to realize that unfortunately our, our kids are just sitting too much. And um, hopefully with products like ours, they'll start to realize that um, we got to get our kids moving more. Um, And when we're focused on, when we're at home and we kind of see them more, we understand that, wow, these kids are sitting too much. Um, they're on front of their screens way too much. Yeah. So hopefully they choose products like Rising Wild and uh, others that come up through this um, yeah. to help kids just get outside more and move because we just have to get them doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know a huge problem to be solved. So I, mm-hmm. I think what you're, you know, the service makes a lot of sense. And um, so you, you said you, you moved, you moved to Portland or the company you've started your business mm-hmm. 2009. 2009. 2009. Okay. So you've been, you've been through two hits of the economy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five. So yeah. Um, one of the things I always like to ask about too, is just running a company in Portland and, and you know, we, I'm sure we both love the city. We love the area, mm-hmm. uh, the, the metro area. What are mm-hmm. some great things about it, but some challenges as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Portland's been a fantastic place to build a business. Um, you know, I feel very lucky to have been in Portland with a new business in, in 2009, um, because that was really when, in my opinion, 2005 to 2015 is when Portland was just an, a beautiful city. And it still is, obviously, but I'm um, just with the um, all the new business and the restaurant scene and everything. So very happy that I was got to experience that. And it's become such a fabulous place for a small business because there's so many um, amazing for us vendors um, and talent that have come, mm. to, come to the city. Um, and so we've got, we've, we've been very committed to using um, businesses and vendors here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that's been, has been just a wonderful way to kind of from business to business now um, having been supported by Portland has been great. Um, uh, I'd say, you know, we've always been on the central or central industrial east side, um, okay. which from a talent and employee standpoint has been a very cool place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the last probably five years, we've seen, unfortunately, a lot of um, more crime in the area. Um, you know, homelessness has been a real big challenge for the industrial east side. Um, and, and that in itself has been hard as a business owner, especially in the physical world where we have physical assets, we manage clients, vehicles and oh, you know, right. event assets and the worries of having to kind of be in the city and having to worry about um, theft and vandalism and things has been a challenge for, for our business for sure. Mm. And how's that been? Uh, I mean, I assume you're all remote now, right? Yeah. The work and what's your plans? I'm asking everybody this because you know no one has yeah. an answer, obviously. But what what, right. what do you think the future of your workplace is going to look like? Yeah. Um, well, certainly right now, with our focus being on Rising Wild, um, 
you know, um, we are virtual and our staff have, have proved that we are capable of doing that. We've always been a very collaborative group though, with experiential marketing, you know, everything we do is so hands-on and, um, we've always been able to, we're a very nimble group and we can kind of solve any problem, but it, you know, it really does require people coming together to do that. Um, and especially with these now second startup, that collaboration has been difficult uh, mm. remotely. Um, but we, you know, we, we luckily had a lot of the tools in place to transition seamlessly into the virtual space, but I expect um, that we will remain virtual um, because right now there's no reason to right now our business model is um, we have inventory. We, we sell our rising wild cards on Amazon. Mm -hmm. There's a retail side to our business as well. Um, so it's more sh shifting into that um, sort of mixed warehousing kind of space with kind of what the office space looks like to be determined Yeah. But for the time being, it's going to be um, probably predominantly virtual, even when we kind of get back into the, normal normalcy yeah and everybody you know everybody asks is kind of hedging a little bit because no one wants to say we're going back or yeah fully remote it's kind of like oh maybe it'll probably be like a hybrid thing um i'm curious to see because i think once we're all safely able to mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just sure i'm kind of curious what people are going to do i think there will be a lot of people who will like get me back to the office but obviously a yeah. lot of people who like Oh gosh, I don't want to commute or do all that. So it's going to yeah. be, we're getting we, spoiled a little bit, I guess. Right. Yeah. I think early on we were kind of surveying folks and I think it's kind of 50, 50 is what I found is yeah. 50. Just, they love working from home. And then there's the other that they just need interaction and they want that kind of feeling of um, being a part of something more in, in the physical office space. So that's going to be tough for companies to decide how they manage that. Um, but certainly I think, companies are going to be forced to be flexible and have um, new offerings or like give employees the luxury of making those choices. Yeah. There's no going back. I, I remember yeah. even a job I uh, had in a kind of previous life and I asked like, so do you work remotely one or once one day or two days a week? And this is, you know, six years ago. Mm -hmm. so, no, no, we, we don't. I mean, can you, if you imagine a company saying that now, I mean, oh, yeah. like, well, I don't want to work for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Right. So, yeah, no, everyone, I think it's gonna, yeah. And it'll be interesting what Portland does, uh, you know, how Portland will respond to what has been really an exodus of these large cities um, and yeah. people just moving to smaller towns, um, hoping and believing obviously that they're going to be able to get employment in a virtual space. Mm -hmm. um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how, Portland will be reshaped um, mm -hmm. with people leaving the city and probably they've been leaving more bigger, larger cities in Portland, but yeah, my take on that. And as someone who I've been, I moved here like 2006, but I grew up in Oregon. So we come up to Portland a lot in the nineties the and mm -hmm. that kind of feel in the nineties where it's like, you know, have these random weird businesses downtown because rent was pretty cheap. That's I'm looking forward to that coming back a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah, the, the funkiness of Portland. Yes, the, the creatives and entrepreneurs, and you know what the culture be like. So I'm super confident that we're going to get some of that flavor back. Um, so I'm super. I'm very optimistic. Yeah, I think I think it will. I hope it will too. Like I mentioned, that that 2005 to 2015 time zone for Portland was just a beautiful thing. And mm -hmm. I did a ton of traveling um, with my former agency and early in my um, when I started Bolt. And went to just some crazy 
small, medium-sized towns. Um, but every time I flew into Portland, it was just like, there's nothing better than yeah. Portland, Oregon yeah. um, during that time for sure. And I don't know if I'd say that right now, just because mm-hmm. it's been, um, it's just gone through so much, but I, I think it'll come back and um, it'll be a great opportunity for new um, folks in the restaurant scene to hopefully make a mark on mm-hmm. what is um, a city that appreciates, you know, beer and coffee and food. Right. So I hope to see what that yeah. what happens there. That's not going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Brooke, where can people find uh, info on Rice and Wild? Um, yes, um, check us out at risingwildkids.com. Um, you'll be able to find all about what we offer. Um, like I said, we sell our, our physical adventure and fitness cards on Amazon and hopefully in more retailers soon. Um, but yeah, your, our website, we can you can acquire a subscription um, to our digital or full subscription on our, um, our store. Great. Uh, Brooke, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.